thing I wanted to say this morning during the end there, but I just absolutely slipped my mind. <clears throat> but I wanted to remind everybody about, and it's in the bulletin, and we've had emails and things, but just remind everybody that um, next week, if, my, if I've looked at my calendar correctly, next week uh, is the 2nd of July. Is that correct? So that's when uh, I've personally contacted Pastor Schrader. And he, and by the way, it's uh, S without the C. So anytime you see the C in there, that's the way I've spelled it all these years, S-C-H. And my wife looked it up on their website, and she said there's no C on their website, so it's S-H. So anyway, um, he's coming, and I don't think he's ever, ever preached uh, any of the anniversary uh, times or anything. So it was we had the power outage uh, the few weeks ago. So he was scheduled to come, so we've combined a bunch of things, the 4th of July, Pastor Schrader is going to be preaching in the morning. We're going to continue to have the Lord's Supper again. It'll be uh, just the regular, normal Lord's Supper. But his grandkids, I think he has three of John's children. John is in Zambia. Isn't that right? John Schrader is in Zambia. He's got, the, I think, three older children. And they've been going around different churches. They've been here in the States. The three older kids have been going around and they've been giving testimonies and helping with Bible clubs and stuff. And so they're going to come here and give their personal testimonies and sing. And so I think it'll be a special afternoon along with the Lord's Supper. And uh, we'll have scripture uh, uh, quoted and, and it'll be a good, a good time. Then I think there's going to be some sort of... Uh, uh, celebration after all that. So it's going to be a fun day, a good day. I hope that you'll encourage folks to come. Uh, it would be wonderful to have, uh, you know, when a guest pastor comes, I think it's really special to have more people uh, here, if we could have them here. So it would be really good. So what I want to do this afternoon is already kind of mentioned. I'd started a sermon and the title of that sermon was, Is Pain and Suffering Part of the Christian Life? And, and so the answer is yes. Now we can have our invitation because that's it. It is part of the Christian life. And uh, this is why, in, in my personal opinion, why those are flocking to the prosperity gospel because if you don't tell the whole story, if you don't tell the absolute truth from the word of God, then that's leading people into this, an idea that life is going to be something that is not. And then for those of us that are believers and we are grounded in the word of God and you've had truth preached and taught and you've studied, and you've heard lots of sermons, been to seminars, we need to understand the importance of Allowing God to do what God is going to do anyway, but we need to do it with, with an understanding that this is best for me. Because I, I've made a couple of statements here in the recent months. God operates out of His love. 
He operates, he's operating out of his abundant, unconditional love. So people that have a hard time with their dads or, you know, had a rough time at home, and then they say, people say, well, they're going to look at God the way they were raised. A lot of times they think of God as the, the way their father was. We need to understand God is operating out of love and he knows what is best for all of us. And I will be honest with you, there have been some things occur in our lives that I do not understand. And I promise you, I don't get it. If I was in charge, it wouldn't have gone down that way, but it did. And my part is to respond to what God in his sovereign will has permitted to come in my life. I've, we call it tests. We call it classrooms. You've heard a lot of different phase, phrases for it. But the bottom line is, and I said this the other day, God is conforming us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We are being conformed. Now, we need to understand being conformed, that means God is chipping away at my old man. He's hammering on the things that are unchristlike in my life. And he, he knows, since he is sovereign and he knows everything about everything, he knows my thoughts, he knows what you're thinking now, he knows everything. So he knows in his sovereignty what is best that he could allow to come in my life that will help me in this process of being changed from a fleshly individual to a spiritual individual. And he knows how to do that. And, and that's why our trials are all different. Your trial is different than my trial. I could tell you my trial all day. Anyway, it's a big trial to me. But, but it's not the same as your trial. So we all have our variety, as in James, the variety, variegated variety of trials. And so the question People say, well, I, I mean, God is love. Why would he allow these things? Uh, John read, John Fields read something today. I just want to read a couple of lines from that same chapter. So if you would turn back to 2 Corinthians 12. I love to preach on this. I'm, I'm going to do it again before long, but I just love it. But let's just read it today without the commentary, without the, you know, without exegeting. Let's just read it because the question is, is there pain and suffering in the Christian life? And that's, that's what we're addressing this afternoon. So here's the Apostle Paul, the man that God used to write more of the New Testament than any other man. This is what he's writing. And he said, <clears throat> verse 7, and lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Notice the terminology. Notice the wording. There was given to me. This was a gift from God to me. God has given me something. And he said, he, he described it as a thorn in the flesh. He has given to me a thorn in the flesh. A, the messenger of Satan <clears throat> to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. 
In layman's terms, that means we all battle pride so God knows exactly what to allow to come in our lives so we will be humble and not proud. Does that make sense? He knows exactly what we need to humble us so that we will have victory over what we dealt with last week, the issue of pride. For this thing I besought. Now, this is our humanity, and it's very normal. For this thing I uh, besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. This is okay. This is all right to say, Lord, I've had enough. Can this depart? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So he asked the Lord three times for it to depart. And he said unto me, this is what the answer was, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities and that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in the infirmities and reproaches and necessities, persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. So if you want to really go deep with God and try to determine why the things that are going on in your life are so hard, so difficult, so challenging, then you need to understand that, that God doesn't always take it away. He knows just how long to keep it there to accomplish its mission, and that when we're weak, when we get to the very bottom, then the scripture says, then because of Christ in us, we are then strong. Okay? So we need to understand that. We need to understand that that's part of it. Flip back to chapter 11. And I just want to read some of these things. Here's the Apostle Paul, the man that God used to write more of the New Testament than any other man. Of the Jews, verse 24, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice was I shipwrecked, a night and day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and, in, and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And then, if that wasn't enough, and just think about that, you say, now, wait a minute, I, I thought they said that there's no real pain or, you know, it's going to be hunky-dory from here on. You get saved and man, it's just going to be, I didn't know there'd be anything like this. And then on top of that, notice what he, what he said, verse 28, beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. That, he listed that with stripes, starving, being out in the wilderness, being at sea, the care of the churches. I think there's something that, that'll preach right there. So if y'all are interested, you stay tuned. We may have something like that someday. So brokenness is a necessary part of being conformed. As long as we are, you know, I'll pick myself up by my own bootstraps. 
you know, suck it up, be tough, don't cry. If I'm an independent guy that I say I will call on God when I need him, God says, okay, the challenge is on. I'm, I'm going to put the squeeze on. And he begins to put the squeeze on and he can do it financially. He can do it physically. He can do it through heartache. He can do it through the pain of our loved ones. There are a number of ways that God can allow whatever's necessary to put pressure on us so that we are not this proud, haughty, independent individual. Every circumstance that comes into our life is intended, please get this, is intended that we would be more dependent on God the Father. Every circumstance, it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter what it is, you can't name one, that it's, it's intended by the sovereignty of God to cause us to be more humble and dependent on Him and less independent. Does that make sense? Every circumstance, we've got to depend on Him. We've got to trust Him. And if we do not understand this message, if we somehow, some way miss it, and we are operating in our humanity, then guess what can possibly happen? We can become bitter. I've known people that became bitter, but they didn't just come, become bitter. They became bitter at God. And that's one place you don't want to be. Bitter against God. So bitter, you can become lukewarm because you've got all these trials and you're just ready to wring your hands and say, I quit. Throw in the towel, you become weary. And then eventually, this is what ha can happen and does happen People can become so lukewarm, so bitter, so they just drop out of church. And they, they say, I don't, need, I, don't, I don't need to go to church anymore. <clears throat> the bumper sticker that said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Now, y'all heard me give my interpretation of that, right? Does anybody remember? God said it. And that settles it. It really doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Because if God said it, it's done. So we need, we need today, we need to understand the processes, the ways of God better so that we don't get hurt or offended or bitter or become lukewarm as we are being challenged and, and conformed to the very image of of God's son, son. and um, we can't ignore it, we can't debate it, we can't doubt it, because God's already described it and settled it. It is going to happen for our good. He knows what we need, and it's not, I, I'm not here to tell you, oh, it's just peaches and cream and don't worry about it. It's, it's not, not that bad. No, I'm going to tell you what, there can be some real tough times. But here's the main, so I wanted us to get that, but I also want us to get something else. And I, this is one of the areas that I just think that as a pastor 
and dealing with people and watching people. And I've seen people kind of saying, boy, I'm just suffering for Jesus. Here's what I want to say about that. I hope and pray that by the end of this message that we can determine that I am suffering for righteousness sake and I'm not suffering because I've got such a bad attitude or because of my own faults. And scripture actually addresses this idea of suffering for our own faults. So why don't you turn, uh, let's see, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. Well, let me, back, let me just back up a little bit. Let's go back to 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. In other words, if you're attacked for being a Christian, you are persecuted for being a Christian, that's, that's the way it should be. But look at verse 20. For what glory is it if when you are buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. So really there's two lines of thinking here. One is, we can be suffered, suffering and we could be buffered. We could be rebuked. We can be persecuted when we're at fault, when it's our fault, when we've done wrong. And, we, and, and that doesn't bring glory or honor to God. But it's when we do what is right, when we're obedient to the scripture, when we've got a good attitude and we suffer, that brings glory to God. Look over at um, 4.15. Same line of thinking here. 1 Peter 4.15. And you see this, I've told y'all, I mean, some of you hadn't heard, but most of you heard the story where I was in a, a, a store in, in Baytown. I was on the school board, a Christian school board, and I heard this commotion in this jewelry store. And I mean, it was a commotion. This, this woman was chewing this uh, salesman out. I mean, just ripping up in that story. It was loud, so loud. I kind of went around the corner to look. I'm on the school board. And I looked. And lo and behold, it was one of the Christian teachers from the school. She was chewing this guy out up one side and down the other, shaking her finger in his face. And, chew and I thought, I cannot believe what I'm hearing and seeing. This woman is really... So, look at 15 with something like that in mind. And that's not the only time, by the way. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So it looks like to me the scripture is so clear. We can suffer and we should by design be suffering because of 
our Christian testimony and living for Christ and his righteousness. There will be suffering for that. On the other hand, there is suffering that we may endure because of our own stinking bad attitudes and our own bad behavior. So we, both, we get buffeted for both. But one brings glory to God. One doesn't bring glory to God. It actually brings a reproach and a shame to God. For his children, look at the list. A murderer, a thief, an evildoer, a busybody in other men's matters. And you say, I'm just suffering for Jesus. I'm just really paying the price because I'm such a godly person. No, you may be suffering because of you're just not really handling things very well at all. So it's important. This is the line. This is the distinguishing mark that we have got to understand that if I could stop it now, because that's what I felt like God the other day wanted us to hear. I think that's what he wants us to hear today. We have to discern. Yes, we are going to be suffering for righteousness sake because of our Christian living, trying to be obedient to the word of God. But you do it with a good attitude. You don't get bitter. You don't get angry. You don't get mad at each other. You don't violate scripture. But if you're suffering because of wrongdoing, then we need to clean that up. We need to end that. It needs to stop because that's not bringing glory to God. And that's not bringing uh, a good name upon the church. Fussing and fighting in church does not attract people. It doesn't attract people. Now, Scripture also says in Hebrews 12, 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chaseth, and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Yes, there is pain and suffering in the Christian life. And I personally, this is my personal belief, my, my freedom of speech belief. I believe this with all my heart. I know when God takes me to the woodshed. I know when God has taken me to the woodshed. I know I can take you back and I can say this was the woodshed. Scripture says we're not to judge one another. So I know I'm walking with the Lord and I know when he's taken me to the woodshed. And so I would give you the same freedom to let the God, the Holy Spirit work in your life and show you when you've been taken to the woodshed. I would hope you would know and I hope it would accomplish the the desired results and those desired results would be a change of heart a change of heart that we would actually see a change in our behavior our attitudes our demeanor so is there suffering and pain in the christian life i think so can we suffer for as for consequences that we've done Yes, I think we can suffer. So we've got to sort through it. We've got to we've got to examine. That's why the Lord's Supper, we say examine ourselves. That's what we're supposed to do. Examine. And we need to decide. Am I suffering for righteousness? Am I really, is my heart really pure? And God's allowing me to suffer for his namesake? Or am I suffering because I'm really not doing a very good job at being a Christian? I'm bringing a reproach. So it's important that we discern, that we go through, 
that we're honest and transparent. And you know what is the amazing thing? This is what's so amazing about the sovereignty of God. I could, but you know, first John, we started off with that the other day when we started this message. We can deceive ourselves into saying we have no sin. We can deceive ourselves. And we can deceive ourselves in saying, well, this is not my fault. It's not my fault that this is happening. I think it's important that we examine ourselves and we look deep into ourselves and say, whose fault is it? Is it mine? Or am I just suffering for righteousness sake? And so it's important to discern. It's thankworthy if we suffer when we are doing the right thing and we, we get pain and suffering for that. That's, that's thankworthy. That brings glory to God. But when we are suffering wrongfully, uh, we really need to repent. We need to change a heart. We need to fall on our face before God and say, God, I am sorry. I'm bringing a reproach on your name. And when the church can come together and say, it's me, oh Lord, that's in need of prayer. Instead of it's the other guy, why, why isn't he doing something? Why isn't he made a move? It's me, oh Lord, that's in need of prayer. And that's the, the cry. That's the, the uh, cry today. So, um, are you telling me, you say, preacher, are you telling me that the Christian life is going to hurt? Yep, it's going to hurt. You mean it's not, I get saved, it's not free from pain and heartache? No, that's not what the scripture teaches. I remember Mr. Jones. How many of you knew Mr. Jones? Can I see your hands? Y'all knew Mr. Jones? Mr. Jones was a deacon here. And uh, sweet, sweet brother, we lived here for 19 years. They lived in the neighborhood. I'd come to the office like four days a week. He'd come over. He, he did the yard work. He did all the yard. And um, he was a meticulous person. He had a building out here, had the lawnmower, all the oil, everything. It was like a picture, like, like a front page of a magazine on order and structure. And he could tell, he could say, he'd come to me and say, you've been in my building, hadn't you? You've been in my building. I said, yeah, I had to get some oil out and put it in the lawnmower. I'd mow a time or two for him. And uh, he said, I could tell because it was out of place. He was meticulous. And he, it used to really irritate him to see all the baseball gloves and all the softballs and all the bats left out on the field and he would just say, I'm telling you, he said, that's the most aggravating thing. We come here to mow and we come here. And he said, those kids don't care anything about those bats. Those gloves cost money. They leave them out in the rain. They leave them the balls and the bats and stuff. And I said, Mr. Jones, I can solve this problem. I can solve this problem for us. If we don't have any sheep, then we can keep this place meticulous. And so that was kind of our ongoing little joke, you know. Well, if we, if we didn't have anything in the manger, we wouldn't have any problem keeping it neat. But you just wouldn't have any sheep. But he would say to me, and, and they had a lot of heartache. They had some kids that, that broke their hearts. And he would say, Rod, he would say, the Lord never promised that this would be an easy life, did he? And I said, no, Mr. Jones, he never promised it was going to be easy. But it's doable. His grace, as the scripture says, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. So my challenge this afternoon is, 
we need to examine our own hearts and see, is there anything that we're doing or involved in that's bringing reproach to the name of Christ? Are we suffering wrongfully? Are we suffering for righteousness sake? And if we are, if we're in the wrong, we need to confess that to the Lord. We need to repent of it. We need to turn it over to him and we need to make a change. And then we'll see some wonderful things, exciting things happen. Examine ourselves, check to see which side of the pain is coming from. Is it consequences? Is it discipline because God loves us? Or is it because we're just suffering for living the Christian life? And that's the challenge for today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the truth that is before us as we think about uh, just how difficult at times a Christian life is, how painful, how many times we cry ourselves to sleep at night over hurts and things that are going on. I pray, Father, for you to just continue to show us your ways and your truth. Help us to respond to you, not to become bitter. Help us to be uh, grateful and thankful for the things that you're doing in our lives, for the positive things that are happening. I just pray, Father, that you would just really do a great work in our hearts in this time during this invitation that we would really respond to you and we would clear up anything that would be a hindrance to the furtherance of the gospel of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.